0: Welcome to Dead Wax 78s. I'm your host, Sean, and this is the podcast where we're going to talk about everything gramophone, phonograph, old-timey recording, and, you know, of course, we're going to add some old-timey music. Today's story is The Chromonaphone, from a story by Norman F. Brooks. The Chromonaphone was a product of the Amherst Piano Limited, located in Amherst, Nova Scotia. Before commenting on the company's gramophone business, a short history of the company is in order. Amherst was a bustling town in 1912 with the growing population like so many small communities then as now, they were eager to attract new industry. A Mr. Lamy, writing in the 1930s, says in his thesis on Amherst business that the town was industrially mad. So it perhaps comes as no surprise that in the fall of 1912, rumors began circulating about the establishment of a piano factory. In fact, Amherst was already making pianos on a very small scale at the time. A Mr. H.A. Hillcoat had produced a piano that had been used at the New Empress Theatre, which opened in December 1911. He had patented a new friction pin block to keep the piano in tune. Mr. Hillcoat, who had been operating a music store since the turn of the century, enlisted a number of local firms to aid him in the construction of his pianos. In February 1912, the announcement was made that the Hillcoat Piano Company would be producing 20 pianos. However, this small enterprise was about to be absorbed after the formation of Amherst Piano, which was announced in January 8, 1913. The new concern began building pianos immediately. But it wasn't until November that its new factory building was complete. Now, here's side one. Truro's own contraalto, the famous Porsche White with Think of Me. Just when the Amherst Piano Concern decided to enter the gramophone business is unclear. The president of the company, Mr. J.A. MacDonald, was certainly well versed with the merits of the gramophone. He operated a chain of music stores headquartered in Halifax and was an official Victor dealer. At the inaugural banquet to officially open the new factory, attended by nearly 500 people, a Victrola demonstration was given. Later in April 1916, when the capitalization of the company was increased, one wonders if gramophone production was being planned. The official unveiling of the Cremonophone occurred on April 14, 1917. In general, the company referred to its product as a talking machine. A large advertisement in the Amherst Daily News announced the exciting news. Surprisingly, there are no further comments in the local papers regarding this event. This seems odd as to the recent opening of two Pathé shops did garner interest. Commenting on this event, one reporter wrote, Their rooms were visited by quite a large number of ladies and gentlemen who listened with great interest. The following September, the Cremonophone was exhibited at the Provincial Exhibition in Halifax. According to reports of the event, the Cremonophone was met with enthusiasm. Each year shows something new and something better, and this year interest is centering in the marvelous Cremonophone. The manufacturers have attained a fine artistic effect in the design of the case and its finish in the rolling front doors and in the special construction of the amplifier and bliss reproducer which have given the chromonophone its cello qualities mentioned is also made of an electrically driven machine this use of a tambour door like a roll top desk style over the horn was one of the most notable features of the chromonophone they incorporated a universal-style tonearm and an inexpensive pillar and plate-style motor. The equipment appears to be from Otto Heinemann Company in the USA, and the connection from the tonearm base to the wooden horn varies from tin to cast iron. Here's side two, the pride of Nova Scotia, Hank Snow, with I'm Moving On. Last of his 78s.
1: That big eight-wheeler rolling down the track means a two-loving dandy ain't coming back, cause I'm moving on. I'll soon be gone. You are flying too high for my little old sky, so I'm moving on. Big loud whistle as it blew and blew, said hello to the Southland, we're coming to you and we're moving on. Oh, hear my song. You had the laugh on me, so I've set you free and I'm moving on. Mr. Fineman, won't you please listen to me Cause I got a pretty mama in Tennessee Keep moving me on Keep rolling on So shovel the coal, let this rattle roll And keep moving me on Mr. Engineer, take that throttling hand this rattler's the fastest in the southern land To Keep moving me on Keep rolling on you're gonna ease my mind, put me there on time, and keep rolling on I've told you, baby, from time to time But you just wouldn't listen, No pain in no mind Now I'm moving on, I'm rollin' on you broke broken your bow and it's all over now so i'm moving on you switched your engine now i ain't got time for a trifle woman on my main line cause i'm moving on you done your daddy wrong i warned you twice now you can settle the prize, cause i'm moving on But someday, baby, when you've had your play, you're gonna want your daddy, but your daddy will say, keep moving on. You stayed away too long. I'm through with you, too bad you're blue, keep moving on.
0: The Cremonophone was well advertised in the Halifax papers of the day. Ads were most frequent in 1919, which seems to be the peak of the phonograph industry in general. I believe that the Cremonophone was advertised across Canada, often on a free trial basis. In December 1919, it was announced that Amherst Piano Limited had purchased the former Maple Leaf Hotel in Amherst where production of the chromonophone would be moved. Some features of the chromonophone that were noted in the ads included the mention of a chromonophone soundpost. Now Norma Jean Paul writing about Amherst pianos in 1981 mentions the use of a S-shaped perforations in the curved maple horn of the chromonophone an ad from November of 1921 tells us about the new Chromonophone Deluxe. This model incorporated a new patented soundbox based on the Stradivarius principle. Of the seven models that were available from Amherst Pianos an eighth model and model E appears often in promotional contests but in September of 1918 only seven models are mentioned as available The cremonophone Deluxe was first seen in November 1921. A news note from January 1920 mentions that the company sold 250 Cremonophones during the previous December and that the firm was quite busy with orders. But the early 1920s were to prove difficult for industry in Amherst. Unemployment was increasing as a general post-war depression settled in. Amherst Pianos and the Cremonophone were advertised at 25% discounts for much of its time. However, by the end of 1924, the company's fortunes seemed to have improved, and in January 1925, it was described as one of the bright spots in Amherst. By this time, radio was firmly entrenched, and a notice from the Amherst Piano Limited asked readers to write in for a catalogue of pianos, talking machines, and our wonderful radio, though as with the gramophones the company probably just made the cabinets and purchased the hardware from various suppliers. As the 1920s progressed, advertising from Amherst Pianos and its representatives became scarce. They displayed gramophones at the Provincial Exhibition in 1926, but no description was given The only clue found in a small six-inch cardboard ruler that is in the collection of the Museum of Amherst in Nova Scotia was probably used as a promotional item. The ruler states that the Amherst Piano Limited are manufacturers of ampliphonic talking machines. The use of the phonic suffix indicates a new process machine. This might solve the mystery were it not for the fact that the Canadian Trade Index for 1928 lists the National Cabinet Company Limited of Toronto as having the phonograph brands of Beverly and Ampliphonic. Did both companies use the same brand name or was there some tie between the two? The same book lists Amherst Piano Limited as a supplier of gramophones, though no brand is listed. Here is side three, A. A. Gillis and Johnny Cope on Celtic Records out of Antigonish, Nova Scotia. Pianos Limited manufactured the Cremonophone, which boasted a beautiful piano finish and a tone well-nigh perfect. It could be acquired for as little as $5 down, the balance payable in easy installments. With the phonograph, people could now hear their favorite music when and as often as they wished. The disc records offered a wide range of choices, such as whistling and laughing songs speeches and orations orchestral and band selections it has been argued that this device contributed greatly to the demise of piano playing as a symbol of accomplishment particularly by women in the home and undermined the communal tradition of playing music and singing as a family it was in october 1928 that the papers carried the news of the collapse of Amherst Pianos. The bankruptcy being the result of a collapse of the Manufacturers Finance Company in Ontario. This firm was founded in 1923 to help finance piano manufacturing enterprises. This story is no doubt fascinating, but we'll have to wait for another day. There were hopes for the resurrection of the Amherst Piano Company early in 1929, But by the end of 1930, a British industrialist is noted as touring the vacant factory. Many years later, the old drying kilns would be used by the Eastern Hay and Feed Company for crop storage. Today, the decaying factory still stands, and perhaps if you listen to the wind whistling through the eaves, you might just hear the toasts that were raised during the opening banquet so many years ago here's side four. Wilf Wilford Arthur Charles Carter singer songwriter guitarist born in Port Hilford Nova Scotia with the capture of Albert Johnson RCA Victor 1933
2: mm-hmm.
3: Here in that far north country, lived a trapper thought insane. To all his red-skinned neighbors, to the pogey a complaint, Two redcoats of the mountain, were known for their fame. Went north to find this trouble, on the trapper was put ablaze. Turned out to his cabin, no harm was meant, you know. But the trapper with his six guns, he laid a mounty low. It was then that the trouble started, and as this story goes forth, it was the greatest manhunt in the history of... they trailed him through the snow and the bitter cold and the hardships that he endured we folks will never know once when they had him surrounded while trailing him through Back track on his trailer, this man they thought insane, now the chances of his escape, for the trapper they were too slim, they hunted him by day, they hunted him by night, this man they huh, they must win, then just in all evening in twilight, he was climbing a Greatest of the manhunter
2: and
3: dead in the history of Latin orders and land. But we'll give credit to the Mounties who always get their land
0: Thank you to the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society for that article. Listen, check them out at capsnews.org. Excellent source for old timey phonograph stuff. And thank you for listening. I'm Sean, and you know what? I'll catch you on the flip side.